Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, December 27th, 2018. I'm Peter Tessie in Winnipeg. I'm Anthony Mangione, uh from Philadelphia. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. We may be joined by Eklund a little later in the show. Um, started with the World Junior guys. I mean, I I was, uh, I think, o, you know, ODing on the uh, – uh, on the World Juniors yesterday, I watched every game that was on NHL Network, and the only complaint I'll have uh, on on that score was the post game show on the U.S. game. I understand why they, you know, they they had to do that, but it was extremely lengthy, and I really wanted to watch uh, Canada score another touchdown against uh, Denmark. Um, so let's let's start with the U.S. game first. The U.S. Uh, beats Slovakia, who they lost to last year. Uh, two to one. It was one nothing after two periods, and then there was a, a, a an early third period rally. Uh, Russ, the the thing I took from it is the commentators were saying that this that, that the U.S. were playing good, and my my contention, and you know, you and I were going back and forth on this. They can't be playing good if they're losing one nothing to Slovakia. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Slovakia, but the U.S. are a pretty loaded team, and they weren't winning that game going into the third. So to, in my mind, they, them playing good and them losing one, nothing doesn't, doesn't, I mean, it was, it was bad then it was okay. And then it was a good third period. They played one good period. Right. That's what, and, and that's, I, I tried to point that out this morning too, in an interview. That's really what they did. What there were a few things that I thought Mike Hastings didn't do that. I noticed more than what he did. What he didn't do was early on, play Jack Hughes enough. Like at this point, we should all know what Jack Hughes is. He should play as many minutes as the best guy on that team, but he wasn't. And to start the second period on the power play and not have Jack Hughes out there to start that was crazy. Like I just didn't even understand why you would do that, but they didn't do that. And at some point you realize, and this has always been my contention with Jack Hughes, you can't hold him off. And you'll, you'll be able to, maybe bottleneck him for a period, period and a half, but he will figure you out. And the best thing that he does that I don't think any player can do like him is when he goes in on his natural side, he can cut across the grain either behind the goal or at the top where, you know, the point is seamlessly to get to the other side and no defenseman is a good enough skater to keep up with him or not get picked by an opposing player. And that's where he starts doing those passes, those drop passes, little backhand passes, and he just finds guys. But I was surprised um, that they went with the goalie they did. He's good. He is. I just I, – I thought Primo had kind of earned the spot. But we're, we're noticing that in game one, a lot of teams sort of are trying out everybody. So that was, that was fine. End of the day, they don't have elite forwards. And that's what's going to really keep them from winning a gold medal is yeah. when you watch the other teams – you know they're going to have a good power play, the U.S. You know their defense is good. 
but they don't roll four great lines. And that's that's the problem. They're good players. Like I could talk about all these players and they're mm-hmm. good, but there's very few great players on the team. Anthony, I, I was saying yesterday that, you know, you talk about the players that were that would have qualified for this tournament that were kept in the NHL and two of the best were Middlestat and Brady Kachuk. I mean, and, and you could see it yesterday. I think the U S are very talented. They're very deep, but Russ is right. They don't have that awe inspiring talent. To put level, them yeah. Those guys yeah. Are level. Yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I think he, I think Hughes is great, but I mean, I don't think he can do it all on his own. And if Middlestat and Kachuk were there, I mean, then they'd be really, really deep and really talented. Now you're asking, obviously, Wallstrom, and you're asking um, Farabee to take on roles that are probably about a slot higher than they probably would be under normal circumstances. Yeah, and they're right. going to be good players, no question, but they're not at this point of their development uh, quite there yet. And if you had a guy like a Kachuk. Uh, in that circumstance, that's a you know that's a game breaking talent that allows you to kind of break through. So the game isn't a nail biter like it was yesterday. Two one. And again, we know Slovakia has been a tough out. Sure, they're they're a tough team. Uh, they they stick to their game plan um, and they do a pretty good job of it. And they're just there to basically bleed it out, try to bleed out a win against you. So you could look at it from Team USA's perspective as a positive step of getting past an opponent that they've struggled with in the past. But mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, Russ is right in the terms of that, you know, if once they get to elite level opponents, there's a, there, there's a good chance that they're going to struggle and they, they are going to need to start laying, uh, relying even more on use. I do wonder though, Russ, whether or not they were there, it's possible that they may be trying to conserve usage, at least, at least in that first game with Hughes, with the intention of really ramping things up as we go along. Well, they I don't think today. so. What what I think Mike Hastings was doing was something that he does in college, and he was just playing bigger players more. Jason Robertson was getting a ton of time. Phil Kemp on defense. There was so much Phil Kemp, too much. I mean, I get that he's an okay player. I've seen him in tournament play, but he's not an elite defenseman, and he does grind it out. And I think Hastings falls in love with those kinds of players mm-hmm. when you hear like Brian Lawton in between periods saying, well, they have to have drive to the net. Yeah, you could have two or three good drives to the net in a game, but it's Quinn Hughes and Jack Hughes going around the perimeter, making great passes, dissecting the defense that's going to win it for you. They're not going to win it in the crease. And I think they were trying to win it in the crease and then realized, okay, you know what? Maybe that's not the best way, and I think they backed off it a bit. And Kyle Kazer was really good. I just don't know if I would roll with him the whole tournament. I don't. Peter, any thoughts on this game? I didn't watch that game. I wasn't able to okay. watch it, so I don't have a lot there. And, I- and so, are, and by the way, locally, people on on Xfinity were having problems watching it, and I kept getting tweets about that, and I felt bad. It's like you know, I hope that gets cleared up for you know the next few games for people. Well, no, okay, fingers with that too. I mean, I have I have bios, so I was like, Susan, yeah, me too. I was worried it was a feed problem, but it recorded fine yesterday. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. Well, as I was saying, as I was saying before, we I missed the first the first half of the of the of the Canada uh, game against Denmark. So Peter, I'm going to go to you first on that one. I ca- I caught most of the goals, and you know Maxime Comtois scores four goals. Uh, Morgan Frost um, has three goals and two assists. I'm sure Flyer fans are salivating at that at that performance. And you know, I, I mean, it was no a, it one was, should be salivating out of anyone's performance on Canada in that game, because that was a debacle. And explain that. 
Well, look, you put up two touchdowns on a team in an opening round of the best junior tournament in the world. Yeah. There's a problem. And I saw something being tweeted out yesterday about this guy from Denmark who somehow got into someone's feed and everyone's retweeting it saying they deserved it and stuff. And I'm glad, I'm glad people writers for the athletic and, and Sportsnet all picked up one guy on Twitter from Denmark who happened to represent the entire country's feelings <laughs> about that game. Bravo guys. There's your journalistic integrity. Um, <laughs> nice. I, good grief guys. And I even had to make a comment about that, but that's the kind of game that, the IIHF has to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. It does no but they one never any do, good. Peter. Like you go back to the Olympics. Denmark which, doesn't yeah. learn anything from that. Right. Getting oh. your butt handed to you by two touchdowns. Right. That's not a, that's not, a, there's no teachable moments in there. No. Is it a go mercy rule? What? No, exactly. Well, no, no, but remember, know, even it, in the world. <clears throat> when I was asked about it this morning, I hadn't had time to process it yet, Peter. And my thought was, yeah, you scored 14. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't slow it down that much, but I'm like, at that point, do you need to charge the net? Do you yeah. need there's certain things you don't need to do? Clearly, right. when Comtois got got hit with the stick from the Denmark Danish player, yeah, I was out of frustration. Like it's like, yeah. And you know what? I get that everybody wants to wave their pom-poms in Canada because they got a lot of goals. Yeah. I'm gonna come out and say, I don't think that game did anything. To, no, for, for the team. I, I, I don't, don't think, think it helps the team. They no, would be better either. winning 4-2 well, and well, having to struggle to maintain a f- two-goal win. Well, here's here's my here's my bone of contention about, about uh, the, the comments after the game. And Russ, Tim Hunter comes out after the game and says, Mikey DiPietro is my goaltender for the for the remainder of the of the tournament. That's typical. How, it's just so how, how can you how can you decide that when you've played when you beat a team by how many how many saves did he make? 13? Ian Scott is playing today against I think it's Switzerland they're playing. Yeah. Okay, what if he stands on his head? He doesn't care. It's so typical, Mike. Look, it's funny because a lot of times we could peg these goaltenders. I felt like DiPietro was pegged and Hunter was just sort of playing along with the media, trying to act like there was a competition. In a way, I'm glad he took away the curtain and just said what I felt was going to happen all along, and now the ruse is done. But it's he, asinine. It, it's, it, it's, and it, it doesn't is, mean he's the better goalie. I mean, he, right. all he's done is won a Memorial Cup, but, but, to, but technically Ian Scott is the hotter hand, way hotter hand. And and in in and in the exhibition tour, you know, in the three yeah. games, he played better than Di Pietro. But Di Pietro was, you know, he stood on his head he against made a Denmark. Great blocker save, Mike. You missed that. Oh yeah, there you go. But okay, so so can, we talked about Canada. We talked about the U.S. I do uh, want to say one thing because even in the chat room, and I'm sure Anthony will echo this. Please don't call Morgan Frost a superstar right now no. at his level. He skates better than most, and he's got really great offensive instincts. He's got to jump a few levels. He's going to have to gain some a little bit of muscle. Like, don't call him a superstar yet. That's the worst thing you could do to him. But I could I'm, look I'm, good playing in that game. But I'm, I'm glad. That's I'm, how bad the game was. I, I know the players of the games are meaningless, but I'm glad that the IAHF, when they decided, or whoever decided to choose the player of the game, they didn't choose Comtois, who scored four goals in basically – you know, after a seven nothing garbage time, you could say garbage, garbage time. After garbage time. Or instead of instead of Frost, who scored three of the first four goals, 
So those were, you know, that gave them the big lead, and then they just went on yeah. from there. And the only thing I'll give Canada credit for is the fact, you know, I mean, they played a great game. They, they, you know, they should have dominated against Denmark at least when it got to like nine nothing, ten nothing. There was no celebration. They just went to center ice and took the face off. They didn't, you know, they didn't want to rub it in too much. But when you're scoring goals like that, you know what? Just skate around, skate around, and and just kill it. I mean, but goal differential means something in this tournament. I don't think teams. I don't think teams like Kazakhstan and Denmark belong in it. But of course, I think that the tournament wants those extra games for a little extra money. And you know, it's it, the same it, thing. Like you knew that Curly Joe shouldn't be in the Three Stooges, but yet somehow he was. That's what happens with this tournament. There's always a Curly Joe or a Shemp. And I, yeah, I had to go down that road. Now, okay, the one the, the one thing I just had to depart from, and we'll talk about Sweden and, and Finland and, uh, and and the Czechs and, and Swiss in a sec. But and, and and Mike Dracos from the who covers the Leafs and covers the NHL and uh, was at the World Juniors last year in Buffalo. And I know Buffalo took a lot of hits for the uh, the attendance at some of the games. I I criticized it, but you have to consider. That I they took somebody took a couple pictures of of the of the crowd at the games in Victoria and Vancouver and they weren't overwhelming, oh. um and and the it was very sparse attendance in Buffalo for the preliminary rounds. People don't remember there was an outdoor game that had what Russ forty thousand. It was forty thousand yeah. paying yeah. customers, which so, is so a lot. That and he definitely tapped the economy for that game for the rest of the tournament. Right. I mean. People, uh, uh, understandably, were going to save their money for the outdoor game rather than go to see Slovakia and Sweden. But that was the Canadian spin, Mike. That's what that right. was. And then, you know, so, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll and see. I really like the reporter. I get it. But you're yeah, right. He didn't good take guy. it all into account. All right. So, I mean, I think that's a factor. And okay, now, touching on quickly, uh, the Czechs win an overtime against the Swiss 2-1. to one. Uh, Really close game. Um, Russ... You, you made some uh, um, observations about Philip Sedina. He doesn't look like he's 100%. No, I mean, he had an LBI, and, and the Griffins, I think, sat him for a game before the tournament. So I was kind of wondering the other day, hey, will he even play in the first game? But then, you know, you made a great point. Like, no matter what, he's probably playing based on the needs of the team and him being there. And so he did. And I saw, I thought, I thought his skating was fine. I thought the issue was when he was planting for his one-timer or planting for his wrist shot that it wasn't what I'd seen it and what I knew it to be. Now, just because the NHL network play-by-play -play tells you that he hit a rocket off the crossbar doesn't mean that that's his best rocket, and I don't think it was, and I think that was an over-dramatization, to be fair. I thought he, you know, he had some scoring chances, but he was really dynamic. In, in the last World Juniors and should have been in this one. Now, maybe it's game one, but I do think the injury is uh, is something that he's going to be dealing with. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I think the Czechs were the more talented of the, of the two teams. You saw them with Kaut and and, yeah. and Zadina. And we and did talk about them. Yeah, they, they really have a good skating team. They have a little bit of size. Uh, they went with the other goalie. I, I, I wasn't in love. I still like Skarik better, but that's okay. Dostal had a good game. It still doesn't mean Dostal's the guy. Like, that's the weird thing. Like I said, in this tournament right now, other than Canada naming their goalie, I'm not sure any other team is really naming their number one other than other than Finland, and we'll get to that. But other than that, I think it's up for grabs for everybody. 
Yeah, the other game, the late game, and I I got to about 10 minutes left to go in the third period before I finally nodded off. Um, it, and it was 2 nothing when I fell asleep. So I think it ended – did it end 2 nothing or did, did – 2-1. 2-1. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, you know, it was, I, I, I watched enough of it to get a few impressions and I have, I have to say that I saw some comment. I mean, don't get me wrong. Eric Branstrom is a great prospect. He's an offensive talent. Um, and I know a couple of Toronto based reporters were talking about the fact, well, you know, there were a lot of people who thought that Lilligren was better than Branstrom and now Branstrom is proving that he's better than Lilligren. <laughs> sort of out of sight, out of mind. If, if Lilligren isn't there, how can you compare the two? Lilligren was the better of the two defensemen last year. Um, but uh, you know, Sweden, I could compare the two if you want me to Mike, but I, I don't know. You if don't, you're you don't, you, I mean, if you, if you, I mean, I think off, I think Brandstrom is a better offensive defenseman. He is. No, no doubt. I think Lilligren is a better defensive defenseman and I think they're, I they're equal, they're equal as skaters. So, I mean, it depends mm, on, I don't know about that. I think Brandstrom is slightly ahead of him now skating wise. It's not a big gap, but I think, um, the one play that, that Craig button highlighted where, he had the puck at the uh, before, just before he scored the goal at the yeah. uh, point. There was some pretty fancy skating there that I don't think Liljegren can do. But there's other things Liljegren can do that that Brandstrom can't. They're just different defensemen. And again, yeah. if, if if Brandstrom knows that his style of play is going to be tilting towards the offensive end, mm -hmm. I think there's a certain type of skating that you're going to be doing that can potentially put you ahead of somebody else who's going to be more defensive minded. And so there's it, it, I, I'm. To me, right now, it's just different flavors of ice cream. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think I do think that's that's right. I will tell you this: the preview that I gave everybody that they have the best blue line, they control the puck, they draw penalties, all of that happened. And I think every team, including Canada, is going to have problems with them because if we haven't learned anything, the way hockey is now in the twenty first century. It right. all revolves around your blue line and then your goaltending and then your forwards. Yeah, and Canada is loaded with forwards, but they're not loaded with top flight defensemen. No. Sweden has three top flight defensemen yeah. that can skate the lights out, but also hold on to the puck. And we saw penalty after penalty. This is one of the first times I'd ever seen Finland sort of break tradition and, and, and not be like totally disciplined Defense, in the game. Right. And, but I will say this, Uka Pekalukanen played great. That was the great Pekalukanen that I was talking about. If right. we see the other one, they're sunk. Like, they don't even have a chance in this tournament. He kept him in it. And, Peter, to, to, to Russ's point, I mean, you look at Sweden's power play, and they used Boquist, and they used Brandstrom. They're yeah, probably the only team yeah. in this tournament that, you, that have – enough offensive defensemen to put more than one defenseman on the power play. And then the second power play, they have Sandin who uh, Sandin who's really good offensively as well. So the, and that gives them some flexibility in terms of their offense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why I think a lot of people have Sweden as a potential winner of the tournament. And if not, uh, if not in a top three, because they're able to do a few things that the other groups can't particularly Denmark. Yeah. Not to pick on the Danes, but oh, but you're going. Yeah, you know, but I'm going. And I'm not even doing that for national pride. I just think it's it's just I that whole game just rubbed me wrong, and I turned it off because yeah. it was like seven nothing. Yeah, I don't blame you, Peter. I like I, I got better things to do than than watch touchdowns. But yeah, I mean the Swedes <laughs> are an interesting team. Um, they're a diverse lineup and skill, and they're they're going to make things interesting. And we can only hope for some of the other games to to sort of make up for a bit of lackluster from yesterday. And, you know, I didn't mention Fabian Zetterlin of the Devils. He had a hell of a game. 
They yeah. do have, you know, I did mention Oscar Bach. Bach looked good. They do have some forwards, but none of them are tremendously offensive gifted. But but the defense is. But, you know, I was surprised that Samuel Erson got the start. But Anthony and I had seen him in camp. I had talked about him pre, pre-draft a little bit because I knew a little bit about him. Then I saw more in camp. Really liked him. He had a great game. I think what really sets him apart, and I think Ole Eriksson Eck is still a better goalie, but but Urson's got an exceptional glove hand, not just to be able to make that save in the top corner. Everybody can make that. He actually can reach out in traffic and make a save, and that's now becoming, to me, a big function of the goalie. Like the flashy goalie save, everybody's been making those since the 80s, but if you can make it in traffic when guys are right in front of you and the puck's up in the air, that's really big, and then not everybody can do that. Yes, glove. Yeah. You would call it pretty much glove discipline in this case. We saw it, yeah. we saw a little bit with Carter Hart early on the season in the AHL where yeah. his, his glove hand is critical. It's not just for flat, as you said, not just flashy saves, but where is he positioning his glove? How does he have a position, especially when traffic is getting in front of him? Right. That's what I saw last night out of Urson. Again, he had some great stops in the third period from what I from the game from what I saw. Um, he got a little scrambly late, but I think everybody did because oh, yeah. was really pushing hard there. So there was a couple moments where he was kind of sliding a little bit out of position, but for the most part, that glove position still probably saved him a few times, and he had, he made some big stops there. So Urson's. Definitely an interesting, as Russ and I have discussed, definitely an interesting prospect for Philadelphia. And I did want to mention, when I was talking about the other day, Mike, the fast breakability of, of, of Capo Caco, you yeah. saw it. When he has the puck behind the net, if yeah. he feels like going up the ice and starting the rush, he will. And he'll make something out of nothing. And he did a couple times in that game mm-hmm. and really can get that offense started. His problem is, I did see late in the game, because he's young, he did try and go through two or three Swedes because he was just like, man, I got to do this myself. Right. He tried to take him on his shoulders. Yeah. yeah. And he's not quite there yet. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's, it's good, good marks for him to try. Oh, yeah. Um, I have to say, I have to say one thing. I'm sure Sabres fans are, again, are salivating at, at uh, Loken. And uh, I mean, the save that he made on that wraparound, it was like a, it was a Gumby save. It was yeah, a leg, leg save. Oh right. my God. Oh my goodness. I mean, and if you look at, if you look at him, in terms of the Sabres, you know, the, how they're constructed right now, it would be perfect. You know, he probably needs another, uh, you know, finish the year in junior, probably one, one, one and a half years or two years in the AHL. They've got Hutton. They've got Allmark. It, it work, if, if, if everything works right, you know, he's probably their goaltender in 2021 or 2022. So, yep. I mean, that, and I mean, he's, you know, he was a second round pick. So that's what they're really expecting of him. Now let's, let's move on, you know, cause there'll be a lot of world junior. Oh, yeah, there's plenty to come. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll be talking about it every day until the final, um, the winter classic. Um, I know the matchup is not great. I mean, Russ, you're going, it's at Notre Dame. I think that's attention worthy. And, you know, I'm concerned about this in one respect, and I bring it up every year. Has it jumped the shark? Because and I know the matchup is not great because the Blackhawks are not good this year. They're one of the worst teams in the league. And, you know, then the, the matchup of them in Boston loses its luster. But I'm starting to get concerned of it's Chicago. It's Detroit. It's Boston. It's Philly. It's the Northeastern, you know, the big city. It's, you know. I think that there are teams out there now they wouldn't be as pleasing for TV, but Colorado or Minnesota or like some of these other teams, get them involved because I think it's getting stale with the same New York, Boston, Northeastern corridor teams. This but is NBC though. This is this is NBC basically saying these these are our big markets. 
these are the teams that we want on for the bit for, for the feature and they're not they're not they're not concerned about other teams coming in to them they see Minnesota wild and and, yeah. and the guys on, on you know in in New York they're eye rolls probably in this case they're just not seeing them and that's a pure money decision completely agree Mike I'd love to see these other teams in there but this is a pure network decision to me it is I mean I know you always want to rail against it Mike we and I know I always have to say in that area it will be massive and it will be sure. They'll, it'll be an attraction. There will be so many things going on. I think, actually, I do think the um, the outside area is going on for three or four days. Yeah. It's, I think it's even extended for what it usually is. But I get what you're saying about the teams. But the funny thing is, and I'm not going to say NBC's got it wrong, because for, for the stars that they're showing, there's still something to show. And it does seem like every Winter Classic – some mm -hmm. big star is coming back from an injury, and now you got Zidane Chara. So with the road to the Winter Classic leading up to it, which I do think they're doing a good job of. I've watched one already. Sure. You know what? They already have some drama, and I have to say they still make money, Mike. They'll stop oh, it when no. they don't make money. And you know, and we can we can fold both of this both of the subject in, into the same thing, Peter. I mean, first of all, I, like I said, I think it's getting stale. But if the NHL wants to keep it because they make money on it and because it's a signature event and because they use it for like their advertisers or whatever, like the All Star Game, full marks, fine, go ahead. That that's fine. It's not for me, but it's for other people, and that's fine. But you know what? Now the All Star, there was some announcements today of the All Star captains: Austin Matthews, Alex Ovechkin, Connor McDavid. Um, I, I, who was it? it was Shifley was the other one for the for the central. I, believe I, believe. So. I didn't even see so, the notes when I right. just so, so on Twitter about that. If you're going to if you're going to have a signature event like the Winter Classic, then get rid of the All Star Game because the All Star Game, other than the announcements and other than the uh, skills competition, is dreadful and meaningless. And I don't care. Oh, I don't care oh, about okay. the, this thing about the kids. So you know what? This is how bad. much attention I pay to the Winter Classic. I know Chicago's in it. It's Boston. Yeah. Yeah. And it's on. They're on, not trying to reach you, Peter. That's no, the no, no, no. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. And it's on January first, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. So where's it being played? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. So they put it in Notre Dame. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing, to my Mike. I think you got a good point. Keep them separate, or Make the Winter Classic game part of the All-Star game. Make that the game and then have the skills competition with guys who aren't in it as your fun stuff, And but do it in a city that can do both. So I you have at one point they would do that. It's clear that they're not going to do it. But I mean, there's again, some logistics there. But, I mean, the All-Star game, the three-on-three, three, the basic fact, and the Pro Bowl is like this too. Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Show me the money. That's what it Show is. Show me the money. Yeah. And, you know, the Pro Bowl is like this too. The uh, the for whatever reason the NBA is actually awesome. Um and you know, in Major League Baseball, there is a sort of a, a there's a point to it because it helps decide who has home field advantage, right? Well, the yeah, well, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Okay, the so NBA is awesome because it is the exact game because they never play defense anymore, so yeah. they don't have to worry about it. Right. All they yeah. do is fire up three pointers all day. But their players come out to this. It's a spectacle. Like there's, I mean, I think if I were the NHL, if I were Gary Batman, I would take your marketing team and I would go and watch what the NBA does leading up to their all-star game, 
what they have around in the city and the events going on and figure out what that is. Cause it doesn't just draw the players who are playing. It draws their friends. It draws their teammates. They bring people in, you know, it's all cute and everything when Blake Wheeler brings his kid on the bench and everything at the stuff, but you know, nice feel good story, but whatever. I want to see the players are having fun. I want to hear, you know, know that they're out and about in town having a blast and I want the game to actually be something of interest and it's just not interest there's just nothing interesting about it okay and, and they've but, got a problem but two things so like in the chat room Esmir's like well why don't they have a, a lottery for the winter classic for the teams well if you got florida and arizona then what are you going to do that would be horrible for a winter classic so that's why they're mm -hmm. not going to do that the other thing peter is you always people always forget that the NHL All-Star Game is a front for all the other business that's going on behind the scenes. It's to reward the sponsors. Together, every agent's there. Yeah. All the teams are there. And they have meetings and meetings that never see the public yeah. eye. And a lot of things get talked about and settled at the All-Star Game in a light-hearted atmosphere yeah, yeah. that doesn't get shown on NBC. But how about how about Nashville, Colorado? How about, you know, there's two successful teams having good years, you know, two venues. Yeah, Colorado had one in their park, in their area, so, I and that was a stadium series. I think Nashville could get one. I do. I, I guess they would probably have it at the football stadium there, whatever they call sure. where, you know, where they play, and that would be fine. I mean, how about one of the best teams in the league in Tampa Bay? You had a game in Los Angeles. You had a game in 60-degree temperatures. You could it was do awful. it. Let's it be was awful. Real about okay. it. it was awful. That game, even trying to watch that game was awful because with the palm trees and everything else, it just didn't feel like hockey at all. Give you a side note as soon as you're done, Russ. Um, the NHL will never have it at um, in Tennessee. I'll tell you the reason why. Okay. The name of the stadium is Nissan Stadium. Was the NHL's main spot one of the main automobile spots? Uh, oh, well, the, the interesting line, enough. I don't know what so, else is out there. Um, Clemson is Clemson out there? I don't even know. Well, what's here, out there. here's the thing: the NHL actually, when they did the um, the Heritage Classic in Winnipeg, they actually mm -hmm. changed the name of the stadium. They did that in Toronto. The, the yeah. BMO yes. Field was changed to Centennial. And they might field. do that. Yeah. And they'll they they come in and they they literally take everything like over. Sports, they don't have the sports, but they don't have the name of the yeah. stadium. Yeah. It'll be like yeah. Titan Stadium. No, I, I was at the Heritage Classic, Peter, and okay. but again, like I think they did it for that game just because that was a, that's an that at that time that was an old tired stadium. It was, and I think they were just trying to create excitement, but they clearly did it. For the others to hide, you know, the other brand name. But I forget what was the name of where, um, where the what the CFL stadium was then, Peter. Well, it's IGF. It's still the same stadium. It's no, brand no, no. New stadium. What was the name of it then? It wasn't IGF then. I can't remember. I tell uh, you, I can't either. I but it was an old, tired stadium, and it was small. And no, the quite... stadium opened in 2013. No, no, but for this kind of event, it was it's a smaller one. It holds well. They had forty thousand people in there. Yeah, the for for the fans. It was actually okay, except <laughs> the weather was so cold that, again, I tell people, uh, snot was freezing on people's mustaches. <laughs> Beers were freezing. The people were poking holes oh. in them. 
Russ, but, it wasn't that cold. I was there. It was above Peter, zero one. It was day. freezing cold for the second game. Russ, Russ, I'm looking okay. it up. Russ, Russ, look Russ, it up. Russ could the ice was brittle. Russ could attest to this because we were both Here's at the same. We were both at the Centennial. We were both at the Centennial Classic in Toronto at at BMO Field, and we ended up watching the game and covering it from downstairs, the downstairs media area, because the press box upstairs was a plastic tarp. Yeah, in front. you couldn't see it was trans. It wasn't. It was. Tr it wasn't transparent. It was translucent. You right. couldn't see the stadium because the wind was coming in. Yeah. So you had a plastic tarp. No, 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 uh, uh, Wi-Fi outlet, no, no, uh, internet. And we had to, we had to watch it down there. So, I mean, it, it's a great spectacle if you're in the crowd. I don't know if it's a great spectacle. And, and at cover. that stadium, their press box was so small because yeah. the CFL press box isn't that big that anybody who could fit was underneath. And then like, like Shane Malloy and I actually watched it mostly from the outside in ski pants and, Ski jackets and it was freezing and we took this. We took the Russ, stadium. I'm looking at it right now. It was totally warm. I remember this it was October 23rd, 2016. It was 10.1 degrees Celsius when the game started, Peter. Not for the when second the, game. Yeah, that's the second game. 52, 50.2 degrees Fahrenheit. No, that's wrong. It's yeah, wrong. it's on Wikipedia right now. It's wrong because right. I was watching things freezing. Go look at the account of the ice. It was brittle. Ice doesn't get brittle in 50 Are you going to believe me or you can believe your lying eyes? Um, I'm Wikipedia telling you, Russ, you, you think you got it confused. It no, was I do not. I had the sheet. I could go get the sheet from my room, but I'm telling you, the temperature was much colder than that. Well, okay, here, here's here's the bro. I'm looking bro it up now. on the Weather Network now. They're, they're only they're only they weren't there. This is before might, the NHL had to deal with them. Go ahead. You, you might see my my video of, of uh, snow in Buffalo on the Weather Network. Um, okay, to, there are only two outdoor games this year. This one coming up on January first, right? And the and the uh, the the one at the link. That's how it's been going lately, though, Mike. Yeah. If you think about it. Now, tell me if this is smart. Two days before the trade deadline, they're doing a, a, the outdoor game at Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. uh, a little earlier in the season, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it was Commonwealth Stadium. That's where it was. Yeah, I think they did it with the, with the understanding that at the time that it, they, they had some scheduling concerns, the Eagles and everything, especially after, they had a deep, after the Super Bowl run last year, the potential for another deep run at the time. Um, now that kind of goes out the window, but it, it was more of a case that they were trying to. The NHL wanted it there. It was just a case of they wanted to make sure that they were they, they were safe with the date, and February 29th was definitely safe with the date. I'm, I'm sure it was a, at the utmost concern of the of the IIHF when the Bills made the playoffs last year. They were worried about a Bills playoff game that they hadn't had in 18 years, but that almost almost created a problem. Um, okay, couple couple uh, key injuries that we have found out about in the last couple days. And we'll take a couple questions in the ch from the chat uh, before the end of the show. Um, Matt Dumba, a serious injury for the Minnesota Wild. I mean, he was having a really good year, um, and it's a, I believe it's a shoulder injury, but the, the shoulder injury. Yeah, three months. Yeah. He's out. So I mean, the only good thing is that you know, based on what time it is right now, he would be coming back if everything goes right just before the playoffs. But we know, you know, if it's a massive shoulder injury he's not going to be the same player coming back so i mean this is a big loss for the wild no way around it i mean it is but they do have the blue line and 
and the goaltending to survive it. Yeah. I still I'm I'm still I'm still high on them because I think now they'll just get a lower seed and I still think they could be a team that does damage. It doesn't seem like he's out for the year. No. So I think there's a chance that Dumble will play again in these playoffs and it's going to be okay. You may not – you're maybe looking at a – with an injury like this, you may be just looking at a at a diminished Matt Dumba where he's you going might. to play, but it won't be quite uh, to the level that he has been at already. He has been at this season. Well, Peter, that this is a team in, in the Jets division, a team that they faced in the first round last year. Yeah. They still have Suter. They still have Spurgeon. They're, they still have oh, Brodeen. So, they're, so they're, their defense is, is, I think, can handle it. But, yeah, I mean, this is – I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, not as, I'm not as enthusiastic about their playoff chances as Russ is. I, I didn't – I picked them to make the playoffs, but not, not to really go far. But, I mean, they're a, they're a good team. I just don't know whether – you know this injury is de- really seriously debilitating or not or not i mean i think it is but what do you think well what is debilitating is is the team's just not playing very well right. and dumba is sort of the straw that stirs the drink there and sure they've got suitor and they've still got a talented team but dumba is something that's sort of extra special in there that he doesn't get a lot of press um like some of the other defensemen that came out of that draft but he is a very solid player, and he means a lot to the to the Wild. And I think it's it's confounding Bruce Boudreau right now, who's got some other challenges too. This just sort of puts a little more pressure on him. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Wild are three, three seven and one, three six and one. I don't have it up right now. I'll pull it up. They're, they're, they haven't been playing very well, and they've got some a couple losses to Calgary recently. They're it's. You know, something's the magic they had last year with some things isn't quite there with them, and and losing Dumba is going to hurt. It, it, well, of course it's going to hurt, but it's it's had an effect on them in other ways. And so, yeah, like right now they are, I mean they're they're two points out of a playoff spot, and they're three six and one in their last ten, with a two one loss to Dallas. Hmm. And Dallas isn't a very good, very good team. And they Minnesota um, Minnesota should have uh, should be beating them in theory based on where they are the talent they have and they're not and 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 I I think you know if th- something doesn't change because remember they changed GMs last year in Minnesota and Boudreau is not the GM's coach we you know there could be some he I, I think he finishes out the season but this is definitely a place to watch if minnesota doesn't make the playoffs this is he's a coach to watch um yeah, based yeah. on the fact that he could be uh he could be you know he could just be the fall guy because that's the way it's going to work in the hierarchy you're you were right three six and one in, in the last 10 games uh they're Right now, 37 points. They're two points out of a wild card with Edmonton in the second wild card spot mm-hmm. in the division. They're they're seven points behind Colorado, so they're probably shooting for a wild card right now. That's, that's not the yeah. that's not that's not the worst thing in the world. By the way, it was it was Nathan McKinnon and not Shifley uh, as the captain. The okay. and I do want to say the weather was minus 1.46 degrees oh. Fahrenheit at puck drop. Jesus. Maybe with wind chill. I'm looking at it right now. And well, what that's, time is puck drop? Peter, that's everything that made everything freeze. And it made the it ice too cold. It's only minus one. Russ, it was the one we, we were all there. I wasn't even Peter, there. I was there time. too. And I and I spoke to the guys on the ice and I watched and I was right next to the fans because I was very high up. Trust me, things were frozen. What time was puck drop? 1 p.m.? 
No, no, that was for the Legends game. What time? 3 p.m. It was 50 uh, degrees then. Yeah, but at the time, no, no, it was 3 p.m. was not the puck. It was it was later than that, I think, for the uh, big game. The temperature went up 50 degrees. It was it was 50 degrees Fahrenheit at 4 p.m. and it started dropping. The sun was out. <laughs> yeah, the sun was yeah, out. I can show you the article. It was minus 1.46 degrees I'm Fahrenheit. Looking, I looked it up on two different websites, but they're wrong. I'm telling you. <laughs> These, they're aggregating information that's wrong. I've got it from another website, too. I don't believe it. These are the same people who calculate the analytics for oh, – yeah, never mind. Uh, okay, so uh, other, the other entry that uh, was brought up uh, in our pre, pre-show pre uh, chatter was Craig Anderson. And uh, I, I this is the first I had heard of it, and then I looked up, and it says he has a concussion. And obviously the senators right now are – you know, we know that we're, we know the direction they're going. I, I, they may keep one of Duchesne or Stone, but I think they're going to trade one of them. Uh, I think that they, you know, if everything is clear in terms of his health, I think they would trade Anderson. Um, but concussions are, you know, uh, are an ongoing problem, and he has faced the most shots in the NHL this year. So, I mean, the busyness of his year so far, and now the in, the health of him. I mean, I, I thought that he was – Anthony, I thought he was a guy that would have been a target for the Flyers because I don't think it would have cost them a first-round pick because I think Ottawa would be interested in taking that salary off their books for next year. But, you know, that's all that the Flyers need is another injured goaltender. No, exactly. I mean, certainly with a concussion, I mean, that's a little bit more of an – you know, it becomes, for lack of a better word, a little more of a nebulous thing in that circumstance. That doesn't mean – that they're out on him, it just means that it may delay them from, you know, they were in conversations at all with Ottawa, which I don't have any knowledge of, that that takes him out for just a little bit, maybe past probably the new, past the new year, and then they can get back into conversations. Because, again, goaltending-wise, they have to pick up somebody at this point. I know everybody wants Carter Hart to sit out. I just feel like it's going to be more – for better for his his development as he goes forward to to continue his development in Lehigh and then come and then comes back. But for now, I'd expect uh, you know for at least until the, new, the next several games they'll remain with that particular goaltending pairing uh, until then. But unless again we come out of we hear an announcement later today, they have another deal in the shoot. Which is well, I was that that was what I was going to ask because we didn't have you were on the show yesterday and I brought this up because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eck brought it up a couple weeks ago about Jonathan Quick. Nick Kiprios from Sportsnet reported the rumors of, of, of Quick. And my assertion is, is that Quick is not a stopgap to get to Carter Hart. I think he's an impediment. If they trade for him, he's got four more years left in his contract. I think he's a, he's a, obviously a Stanley Cup winning and a great goaltender. But yeah. he's not a guy. He's not a guy that Carter Hart is going to take over from. I, I agree with what Russ said a while back. He says Jonathan Quick is going to fight tooth and nail to never give up the starting job. But at the same time, you get a couple more years down the pike in terms of potentially, you know, he's not as good as he was or more diminished in his play. Right. That might change the conversation. He also could potentially be a candidate. I don't know what his in terms in terms of Seattle, a possible. Sure. Again, if you're going into that draft, the you're gonna you're, just like Vegas did. I would I would think the pattern is they like to have at least a veteran goaltender sure. to start their you know their their inaugurable campaign. So that's why I'm not. The more I thought about it, the more I'm not completely dismissing the idea of Jonathan Quick out of hand. So that's, uh, but at the moment, I don't think it likely. 
I just won't dismiss it entirely. Yes, we have a battle going I'm gonna leave it alone because I know what I know. But <laughs> when, the, when the players are wearing extra underwear and talking about frigid ice, there's a reason. But anyhow, getting to this, there's probably a reason Jonas Corposalo is starting at MSG tonight. And that may be because there is discussions between Columbus and the Flyers. Because there's no good reason to have Corposalo starting a, a game after the break. They're playing back. MSG. Why wouldn't you they're come? Back to they're, back. Playing, they're playing back to back. They're playing back. Toronto. Tonight. Okay. Yeah, All right. So, so I yeah. guess there is a reason. Here's the, here's what I would do. Honestly, if I were the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher, I would abandon the goalie hunt. If I can't get if if I can't get Bob and I can't get or if I can get quick but it costs too much, I would just stop because right. I don't think. The market's good. I don't think the timing's good. You right. have an arsenal of young goalies that I think you're better off waiting on. And even though it might be the will of management to go and do this, I would turn around to say there isn't any deal that's worth it. That's what I would I, do. I would go a further step, and I would I would send Hart back down to the American Hockey League and call up. Uh, well, eventually, I would do that too. Here's the issue, Mike. I, I, I hear you on that, but again. Um, if Alex Lyon was playing better when he came, you know, obviously coming off the injury that he had, if he was playing better, I think it would have been a slam dunk that Lyon would be up here. The fact of the matter is I don't necessarily – I'm not 100% on the fact that they would trust him being back up here right now until he gets a better head of steam in Lehigh Valley. If he's playing really well and Hart is struggling a little – starts struggling a bit, then I could easily see them swapping the, the, swapping the two goaltenders. But until then – um, he needs to get on – Lyon needs to get on a good head of steam here before I would bring him up. Uh, a couple other notes and then we'll take a Wait, couple. wait, the biggest note. Peter was talking about Winnipeg. He wasn't That's the one I was at. That's it. the whole point. And then No, the, the first Heritage Classic is what we were talking about. Come on, Edmonton. Well, I didn't know that. You know, we, I was yeah. talking about When Winnipeg. I said the Legends game, there was no Legends game in Winnipeg. Yeah, there was. A legend? Well, yeah, I guess there was. Yeah, the Oilers versus... That was Gretzky and Messier. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Jesus, they're arguing Come about on, something. Yeah, yeah. Edmonton was colder than the balls, and it was minus 23 at face-off. It, it was awful. Not, right. Yes, and Russ, you, it was terrible. I, I, remember I remember, Theodore I remember, had to wear a toque on his head and everything? I remember Messier, was, Messier and Gretzky were looked like they were out, uh, you know, like they were like Nanook of the North or something, yeah. and they were like in an igloo. Uh, it wasn't okay, just as bad for them as it was for the real players. Anyway. Just, just a couple notes here about teams that are getting players back. Russ, you mentioned Chara. Bergeron came back just before the break, and I'll tell you something. It could, it probably couldn't work, couldn't have worked any better for Boston. They get their two key players back. They have 44 points right now. They're three points behind Buffalo. Boston's finishing in third place at at the absolute worst. And they and they have the cap space to add before the deadline. So they you know they lost two of their best players and they didn't slip. And uh, in in the West, Nashville's getting Arvidsson and Subban back off the injured list. That's They're great. only four points behind the Jets. I mean Peter, you know that's a that's going to be a battle going on until the end yeah. of the year. I mean we're only 35, 36 games in, but you know that that's a battle for for home ice advantage and for you know a, a couple other things. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I just put up my game preview between Calgary and, and Edmund or Winnipeg tonight. And, you know, those teams have such similar things too. And we're sort of discounting what Nashville's getting back. And Nashville is a very good team. And, you know, you look at those three teams, 
uh, and what Colorado's doing. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, the central is just every year you think, when's it going to take a break? And it doesn't. It's just when, when is someone in the central just going to have a reprieve from having to go through punishment? Right. It doesn't happen. But it's different teams. I mean, two years ago, Chicago and St. Louis, and now it's recycled. But again, this is an argument, and I will make this until I'm blue in the face of changing the playoffs, the structure back to the one eight. Because instead of the the interdivisional, because you're the the fan is losing out here if it's you know Nashville like say it finishes right now, I mean uh, the season finishes right now Nashville Colorado those are teams I want to see deeper in the playoffs and we're going to see that in the first round, you know Buffalo Toronto or Boston Toronto those are I mean I want to see those quality matchups deeper in the playoffs and by having the structure the way it is. You know, you're you're eliminating you know half the good teams in the first round of the playoffs, and that sucks. I, I I hate that. I'll tell you what, Peter, and you you're a better judge of this, but the way Nashville is, I think the trading deadline is probably everything to Winnipeg season this year, unless you're going to just add Veselainen and hope that that's your your add. I it's going to be they're going to have to really be creative to make their team better or better than Nashville at this point. Do you think that yeah. they? You think that they'll do what they did last year, Peter, and load up and tr- and trade a prospect or trade a first round pick for another Paul Stastny, or do you think they'll stay with what they got? I don't think. I think if, oh man, this is such a tough one to think about right now. I yeah. think Chevy will try and do something. I think if anything, he's going to want to try and find some left defense help. I think okay. that's the that's the other thing, and maybe um, maybe a guy who can. Add a little more grit, not be as stupid as Brendan Lemieux. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't think he's going to mess with what it is right now. If, but definitely lefty help because if Morrissey goes down, yeah. it's it's a bit of a, a dog's breakfast. And again, you know, you don't want to throw Sammy Niku in, yeah. in into that pressure cooker. Yes, he came right. in last year and did it fine, but you need some experience. And Joe Morrow isn't going to cut it. I'm no, I'm con- I'm convinced. And maybe you know, I'll, maybe I'll be proven wrong by before or after February 25th. I am convinced that this year, the Leafs get ready to drink. Russ will get that top four right-handed defenseman oh. that they that that they desperately need. I think they're also going to do what you were talking about, Peter. In terms, I wrote something yesterday about you know cheap depth forward veteran guy at additions like a Troy Brower or uh, uh, Kyle Clifford, somebody of that, that nature, you know, somebody who can play third or fourth line who can, you know, still play, has some playoff experience, but they are so bereft of anybody with, a little pushback that they really need a one or two more, one or two guys. Tom Sestino, Mike, all they have to do is offer. He's on a PTO. Shut up. He's on a PTO. Tom Sestito. Anyway, uh, let's take let's take some let's take some questions. Hold on. Hold on. Tom, Tom Sestito. He can't even play for the Marlies. He's sitting in the press box at the uh, Rico or excuse me, Coca Cola Coliseum. Yeah, see, don't get the name. I think the biggest thing when you look at who's going to acquire is is who's going to decide to sell. That's the biggest thing, right? Right. That seller. That's the hardest and, part. Yeah, is, and, and and right now, remember, Stasny was a kind of a. The yes. Stasny acquisition by Winnipeg was kind of came out of left field because no one yes. believed St. Louis is going to be a seller. It was a reluctant and, sell. It was, and right. it was after um, Vegas had done that crazy deal with Pittsburgh to keep who was it? Um, Broussard. 
Yes. Yes. Starred from going to Winnipeg, who they were actually targeting. Right, yeah. and they had so, to dump, and they had to dump Brian Reeves's contract on Vegas to make that work. I mean, yeah, I'm, the a, trade I'm a fan of Derek Broussard, but I have to tell you, he's one of the more overrated players in yeah. this era, and yeah. he he has all the things that you want. He skates well, he's got a good shot, and everything else. But when you count on Derek Broussard, most of the time you're not getting the points. He's he's underwhelmed in, in Pittsburgh, to my estimation. But right now, right now, he's like injured so, for the start. But yeah, you're right. right. Um, but right now, it's like Jersey. Ottawa, Philadelphia, maybe Carolina, definitely Detroit. I think those are sellers in the East. And right now, L.A., Chicago, St. Louis. And if Arizona had anything to sell, they would sell. But I think all yeah, – I don't know if Jersey has anything to sell, but I will say this. Jersey is going with Mackenzie Blackwood again tonight. And, and I know he's got three games in and a 930 save percentage. He is 22. He's got a fair amount of AHL experience. Kincaid got hurt, Russ. He got hurt yeah, against I Toronto. But that's just how much they don't want to play Corey Schneider. That's yeah. I mean, at this point, this is what the elephant in the room is. And again, you know, this this has been a abysmal year for them. The the yeah. ship is sinking over there, and it's a, it's a lot to expect from Blackwood. I think the season's over for him. Anyhow, let's see what the questions are. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, 15 and three for Schneider in his last eighteen games. I mean, it's 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 a it's amazing. Right, so Adam Ziller, you know, it's not a question, but he says Morgan Riley prefers regular bacon over Canadian bacon. You know, Canadian bacon is a fake thing, right? Okay, anyhow. Well, pimeo um, bacon. I, I prefer pimeo bacon over American bacon. Because you're a communist. Um, <laughs> I just love pimeo bacon. It's great. But another question from Adam is. What can the Sabres do to solidify a playoff spot? A top six forward or a D man? It would be a D man because that's that they have enough offense right now. And I think even if Skinner goes a little cold, I think they can get by because I think Middlestat will start picking it up at some point. But defensively is where because look in, in the playoff series you can play Zach Bogosian ten minutes and get away from away with it. You can't play him for twenty. You stole my thunder. I says I would be a D man because I'm expecting Zach Bogosian to be on the injured list in the next week or two, like he normally yeah. is. But I mean, the one thing you have to factor in with the with the Berglund uh, departure is that they're thin up the middle. I mean, you know, they have Middlestat and they have Eichel. After that, I mean, you know, they're they're just not. I don't think I, I think that they could add themselves a, a, a veteran. That doesn't cost them a ton. That probably yeah. would be something that would help them and address. You know, I, I think they're they can make the wild card. I mean, maybe, maybe the Sabres will um, just go down the uh, the MSG MSG path and get Adam McQuaid. Anyhow, um, if he's healthy, uh, let's see. Esmir wants to know the Blues are sellers, but do you think they're willing to trade Pareko to let's say Toronto? I think they would be more in. It would be more in the off season because To isn't trading Nylander right now. No, they're not trading Nylander right now. I do think Pareko's the guy to get traded. I don't think they would wait on Toronto. I think they're going to trade him now so they could sign, um, sign Peter Angelo. Peter Angelo in in the off season. I, I do find it interesting that only in, only in like the last week or so, you know, because. Everybody like just dismissed any kind of Nylander trade talk after the signing. Well, no, Kyle Dubas promised that he wouldn't trade him. Yeah, he doesn't have any no trade protection. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because Nylander started slow because everybody, I think anybody in their right mind would have expected him to start slow. But everybody realizes 
They've got Janssen they have to sign. They've got Kapanen they have to sign on top of Matthews and Marner. So they're ju I just don't think there is room there to keep Nylander and they can and he can get the most value back. So it just I mean, to me it adds up that they will trade him, but nothing is for certain. Yeah, but I'm just saying they trade him in the offseason, though. They're not trading him during the season. And no, Perigo, no, no, no. If you're paying $10 million in cap space, why not use him? Right. Pareko's going to get shopped. It's just a matter of who has the assets to get him. Right. Uh, one of our one of the people in the chat room said, hey, Gergensen's can play 3C. No, he can't. That's that's beyond his capability at this point. He yeah. has played it. He's not good at it. No. I mean, I and I and I would be abysmal. And I'm and I'm a Gergensen's fan. I you know I think he's been mis he was definitely misused. No, he was rushed and misused and all of he, it. He was rushed by Ted Nolan. He was misused by uh, by but by, by the next coach, by Bilesma. He, Bilesma did not like him. Yeah. And now and now they're sort of searching around for a, a role for him. And I think he's been better under Housley, but I don't think he's a center. I think he's a winger. So. I'm also being asked, can Minnesota trade for help on defense? I don't know if they have the pieces. I, I think they have the pieces. They I, have, I mean, they're deep. They're they're prosper. They have yeah. good prospects. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about them on defense. Now, Charlie Coyle could still be dangled, but I think he would be dangled for more offense. I think they would be looking to load up with another offensive player, another fast player. I think that's something you could see them possibly doing. I mean, if there was a compliment that they could get, for like Zach Parisi, so they can get more lines going, they might do something like that. Question, uh, the question: The question is, if the, if Minnesota continues to fall, Peter, yeah, like, do they do they shop Eric Stahl? That's I, that's what I'm thinking. I, I mean, mean, if they were out of it, they would, but they would have to be really completely out of it because the way he's scoring right now, you that's a first and a top prospect. And oh, that's yeah. a guy. That's a guy he can play wing, he can play center, he's a veteran, yeah. he's won a Stanley Cup. I mean, that's if only a he were a top four defenseman. What's that? And, you know, and the, the <laughs> thing said, about that is if only he were a top door four defenseman. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> yeah. You know, the other guy they could consider moving too. I mean, he's not he's serviceable, is Eric Fair, too. You know, because he's a UFA. You could get, yeah. you know, someone may be interested in it. It's a um, mid-round pick. I mean, the, the 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 Leafs buried him in the American Hockey League, not even with their own yeah. minor league team. They buried him in San Diego, and then they traded him at the deadline. And he he played pretty. I think from what I saw, yeah. he played okay for San Jose in their playoff run. So, you know, yeah. he's not. A, you know, not it, a, it's interesting to think like if they plummet. You know, you got to think they try and get something for Eric Stahl. And they're you know Buffalo would be a team that should pony up for Eric Stahl. Yeah. You, no, just, yeah, just, I mean that would be great for them if he's actually available, but I don't think it's going to get to that. But again, right. there's a lot of things that have to go on in Minnesota right now for this to drop. But you know what? If you go back a year ago and look at the standings, you know who's top of the Central? St. Louis, and they missed the playoffs. Just, just a, just a little note here uh, from Renault Lavoie, TVA Sports, Carey Price. Carey Price. Is not going to accompany the team to Florida. I think they're probably doing the usual Tampa Bay Panthers back to back, yeah. like the most. Right. And this is after the break, so yeah, he's you know, got mileage on him, and this is the way to sort of save him from going to have to even sit on the bench. Like this is where it's at for him. Yeah. Uh, one more question, Russ. All right. This may be the best question in the chat room. Okay. Foxtrot, this is from Lord Oberman. Foxtrot or selling England by the pound? 
to me, it's selling England by the pound because I know what I like is just oh. so good that I don't think there's anything on Foxtrot as good as it, in my oh, opinion. Supper's ready. Yeah, I, I like I know what I like better than I like Supper's Ready. Yes, I mean I know what I like is a, is a single. I mean it's it's a, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. I mean I don't hate any song in either one of the albums. Although uh, the uh, God, what's the long the long song? I'm drawing a blank on uh, a Battle of Epping Forest. Okay. The lyric the lyrics are just are are sort of dreadful. Even Peter Gabriel is sort of ashamed of it. I watched. Uh, but no, I, no, honestly, I would I would say I would say. I would say Foxtrot. Okay. I, I, I love them both, but I would say Foxtrot. It's, right. and it's, a, it's, it's a tough, it's a really tough decision. And Cinema Show and Dancing in the Moonlit Night are two of their best songs. They're so great. It's I mean, they're great. Unfortunately, Cinema Show always got thrown into a medley situation over yeah. the years. Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> they, always, they, they always did that. I know. But it is great. I mean, but, but, but I love Can Utility and the Coastliners and Get Them Out by Friday and Sepper's Ready is an epic. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now you got me all psyched. Let's do a moose. Let's do a progressive rock show. Uh, let's we talk we some, need to. It's, it's up to heck. Let's talk yeah. some King Crimson who are. Have Ooh, been, who now have, you're talking. Who have been, who have been besmirched. And and ignored for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame once oh, again. Oh, I know. It's favor, which is crazy. I, in in favor of Stevie and I don't hear. I love Fleetwood Mac and I love Stevie Nicks. I saw her in concert yeah, yeah. and and backlighting with a white dress on in 1981. It was it was a, a religious experience for a 14 year old boy. Yeah. But I'll tell you right now, she's a, she's a great singer. I I love her, but there are many many performers as individual artists like Gabriel, like Steve Winwood, yeah. like Phil Collins that deserve to be in the rock and roll hall of fame uh, as an individual before Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Yeah. I, the thing about King Crimson is there was no commercial success there. Right. No. And unfortunately but, the rock and roll hall of fame yeah. is about that. I saw King Crimson when Bruford went back to him in the eighties and yeah at a place called Stony Brook uh, University on Long Island, and it yeah. was great. And, you know, Fripp is a weirdo, but he's really good. Here's the thing about – here's the thing. you got to remember is after they do the awards, they have a big jam ceremony where they play music of the people there. Who the heck's going to be able to play King Crimson music? Right. <laughs> Tony Levin will play bass. Tony Levin will be there. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, you've got to have people who can keep up with them. Oh yeah! Oh sure, sure. Yeah. But 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 see the thing is, we have seen bands like like Love and Spoonful who are oh. more or who are more influential, and that's the reason why they're in rather than the success. If you look at King Crimson, their influence was on guys like Bowie, on guys like on on Yes, oh. because there were yeah. there was interchangeable members on Genesis. Trivia question, a yeah. little bit of trivia: the first Mellotron that the that Genesis had. Tony Banks bought from King Crimson. Oh, you're yeah. kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah I so mean, it's like I think even Carl Palmer was influenced by Bruford. And Bruford's only retired. He's not injured like Neil Peart or yeah. Phil Collins. He right. could come out of retirement and play, Peter. So I don't think it's it's that no, much. No, I just meant like you have all the other guests and their giant jam at the end. And they yeah, no, you're King right. Crimson, I mean, right? That's, like that's the thing. Like that's they're the so musically part. beyond so many other guys that it's like 
Good Un- luck. Unfor- unfortunately, like a couple of their base players, like John Wetton and Boz Burrow, yeah. are no longer with us. But yeah. you know, Tony Levin can cover. But anyway, we'll we'll get we'll do a separate show on that because I think we could go on for two hours on that one. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Peter Tessier, for the departed Anthony Mangione, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.